Neve Sessions with AMS Neve. Today we're welcoming Glass Animals frontman and producer Dave Bailey onto the podcast. So welcome Dave, how are you doing on this fine grey day? Hello, yeah, I'm really good. It is, it is remarkably grey outside for a spring day, huh? I would actually say white. The sky is just white. I know Americans probably can't even imagine what that means, but it's not snowing, is it? It's just white. It's grim, whatever it is. Grim. But it's okay. I'm in the studio. I've got really, I've got quite weird lighting in here and lots of palm trees. So it's, it, yeah, I might just shut my blinds after this and pretend I'm, I'm in the rainforest or something. Yeah, somewhere nicer. So are you in your home studio at the moment? Yeah, I actually live right above, right above, I, I put on trousers today, but quite often I, I don't. Ooh. I just wake up, get some cereal and come down to the studio in my pyjamas and, and work. I never, I never have to leave. Wow, you put on trousers. I mean, thank you for the special effort. I appreciate that. I'm in jogging bottoms myself. It has been very much the look of the last year. <laughs> um, it is pandemic chic, yeah. Pandemic chic indeed. Um, we've spoken to a lot of people in pyjamas though, so you've, you've definitely put in a lot more effort than that and um, you're wearing a marvellous jumper today, which I think I've seen on your Instagram before. So where did you get that from, may I ask? My mum knitted it actually with the, the whole flamethrower on it and everything <laughs> love that <laughs> amazing I but it is i don't know where i got it from it's cool it's good it's, yeah basically bright red with flames on it it's it's quite full-on yeah, it's quite full-on but it's, it's a look it's a look uh, especially when you pair with the you know the pajama trousers or whatever your look of choice is but all good um i've seen um what did i see i keep seeing on your instagram i'll have to ask you about this so when you got your triple j hottest number one spot you said you promised you'd get a tattoo on your ass basically of australia so it's happened the time is now tell us about the winning design and when is this happening then it's happening soon i've actually just booked my tattoo appointment today i booked it for i think it was like june 14th or something I think I might have actually, I don't know, sometime in June. As soon as basically we're not, I don't think tattoo parlors are open till May, end of May. So I, I got the first slot that I could. I opened the, I, yeah, promised that I'd get the outline of Australia tattooed on my bum if we if we got a number one in Australia. And uh, it happened. And uh, a fan submitted a design. Well, I just asked fans to submit designs and got so many. It was It was actually really hard to choose, but chose one. Okay, and um, have you got tattoos already? Will this be your first? This is my first tattoo. Sorry, mum, but it's it's <laughs> happening. I might have to get a tattoo for my mum as well. I won't put that one on my bum, but I I should get a tattoo for my mum at some point because I think she's a little bit like, I don't know. She wanted me to never have tattoo, to be buried inkless. Mm. Yeah. Fair enough. Have you got tattoos? Have I got any tattoos? No, I haven't got any. Um, I don't think I'm quite exciting enough to have any tattoos, and I certainly haven't thought of anything that I would want. But then may, I think that's a great reason that you've got yours, because it it was such a big moment, wasn't it? So I can see why you've done it, but I haven't had any um, sort of similar experience yet where I thought, yes, it's time. Yeah, it, I, always, I always thought I'd get a tattoo if I, if I had something meaningful enough. And you know what, this, I will proudly get this tattoo. It was quite an amazing moment because they do a kind of big countdown in Australia live on the radio. And it's a huge, it's a huge thing, the Triple J Hottest 100, for anyone who doesn't know it. It's like 
every, everyone kind of takes a, a day off and goes and sits on the beach with a portable speaker and listens to this countdown of the hottest 100 songs of the year and um all the mo- the videos of people like waiting anticipating what was going to be number one and then they said glass animals heat waves and everyone like dancing and cheering and being like that was the first time we actually got to see people like listening to this record this album because we released it in the pandemic we haven't toured at all haven't played any shows around it and it is yeah it was amazing to see that um that people were actually see see videos of people enjoying it it was was brilliant made me cry actually oh i'm not surprised because they can they've got a lot more freedom over there as well obviously at the moment for obvious reasons i had no idea it was such a big event though with them all listening and being outside and being at the same place that does sound amazing yeah, I only know that because I was there once while the countdown was happening and it was like this, mon- everyone is in a bar, in a pub, on the beach, somewhere, everyone's listening. Every si- it's This radio show is broadcast, like, it, you can't avoid it. It's coming out of every doorway and every window. Mm, incredible. And um, huge congratulations, by the way, uh, on the success of Dreamland. Um, it's just kind of been everywhere, hasn't it? And I, I saw recently you were actually in dreamland the theme park in margate which is really it's near me weirdly and you did that really cool video for jimmy fallon i'm guessing was that a drone shot how did you do that brilliant video yeah it was multiple drones it's like a live thing and then we basically just got followed yeah we just used really tight microphones to cancel out drone noise and and did it did a performance where i basically tried to leg it the whole way around this theme park it was it was wicked the drones uh like huge credit to the drone pilot because there's some like serious acrobatic stuff happening they flew through my legs at one point when i was i was running and it flew through my legs it's absolutely bonkers <laughs> no it looked really really cool i wondered how you'd done it um what was it like being there i don't know if you'd been there before but obviously an abandoned theme park at night uh, a bit creepy but or was it just really cool it was really it was amazing it was really cool really creepy just because uh it has basically it's been closed for like a year and a half and it like half of the lights weren't working some of them were flickering had this really eerie sadness to the whole thing and i i think we were quite lucky with that the song has got a kind of sad tone to it and it Mm. sort of just kind of just kind of worked it was really thank you to um the team at dreamland for for letting us do it Amazing. Where did you get the idea for this? Obviously, it's the same name, of course, as the album, but um, did you already know of it or someone pitched this idea to you? Yeah, I knew of it. I I actually wanted to do a show there originally uh, around the time that we launched the album. We were going to do a couple of shows. We were going to do some shows in America to launch the record at this place called Red Rocks. It's like really beautiful. I think probably my favourite venue in the world. It's like built into the side of a mountain face and... The only problem with it is that it's the altitude, it's like really high altitude, so it's really hard to catch your breath as a singer, which makes life difficult. Mm. Uh, but it's worth it for the view. And we we're going to do some shows there, and then hopefully we were trying to do a show at Dreamland because the album is called Dreamland. It's kind of a coincidence. It's not named after the theme park, but it didn't work out. So when Fallon approached us... It, I was just desperate to try, to try and do something with the with the theme park and thought it would be, yeah, quite a, a nod to that. I don't know. I thought it would suit it suit it well. The sadness of an abandoned theme park. The song is about like missing someone 
and missing things. And I, th- I thought it would be interesting to kind of, as a, maybe a bit of a commentary on like just how much we're missing these places that are normally really heavily populated and really sociable, like sources of happiness for us all. Mm, yeah absolutely and weirdly you've just reminded me that was the place where I used to spend many a teenage birthday um it's been redone in the last few years it's a lot cooler now it used to be a lot more run down but um now it's um sort of hipster central as it were um it's all good now but um yeah so nostalgia for me too so I loved when I saw that you'd done that video there it's really cool amazing yeah it's a really if, if anyone has the chance to go they should go it's wonderful yeah, it is. And speaking of heat waves, obviously, um, the sleeper hit, it was released, I saw, actually last year in the middle of the pandemic, but only made its debut in the top 40 in January, actually. Um, I hadn't realised that. I'd sort of felt like it entered my subconscious at some point. I'm not really sure how and hasn't really left ever since. So how what's happened there? Why, why it's been out for a while and then all of a sudden it sort of caught hold? I have no idea. <laughs> I, I've, I've been trying to, like pinpoint an exact moment but you can't it's just been such a gradual growth that I don't think there's any distinct moment we we did get used in the FIFA soundtrack for FIFA 20 20 or 21 I don't know but that was that was like a long time ago that was like August so I don't think that was like a directly related because I didn't really get into the charts or anything till well yeah as you said January and kind of now it's starting to go up the chart a bit. It's it's pretty weird. I don't know. <laughs> I think ultimately, yeah, the song's about missing people and maybe everyone's just missing something, missing people, someone right now. Maybe it's resonating. I'm not, I don't know. But it's whatever's happening, it's really heartwarming and, and lovely and I feel very lucky. Mm, yeah I can tell from looking at your Instagram obviously your fans are um, really enthusiastic they do artwork they do all sorts um, you're really really interact with them and you're not just saying it you know you are really feeling the love aren't you and you do really appreciate the support especially it must be really weird during the last year releasing an album during you know a worldwide lockdown yeah it's it's pretty bizarre that kind of creative response from the fans has really been the, that's kind of what wakes wakes me up a lot of the time in the morning it's just so nice because normally you release the album you go on a tour and you're seeing people react to the mu- you know hopefully enjoying the music that way and that didn't really exist when we released this album it kind of came out and then it just felt I-, I think we all just felt a bit lost for for a bit and then slowly this like fan art started being created and it was Oh, it's, it was so, it just kept us going, kept us wanting to do all sorts of stuff, make more videos, make more music, everything. Um, so, yeah, thank huge thanks to the fans for making this pandemic actually really pleasant. Mm, pleasant, yeah, terrible, pleasant, no, absolutely. Um, I saw as well... Um, the demo, you when you completed it, you played it back through the studio speakers, and then noticed someone was sort of there, and you d- you know you're a bit put off by that. And it was Johnny Depp, so cool, by the way. But um, what happened there? D- did he have any comments, or did he did you talk to him? Pretty weird. Yeah, we spoke for a bit. We spoke about a couple of. He just started telling me stories. It was quite amazing. It was amazing, amazing hearing them, and uh, I can't I can't tell any of those stories here. They're not my stories to tell. I'm afraid. <laughs> but it was 
it was it felt like a dream turning around and seeing that just uh, I don't think I expected anyone to be there <laughs> less than, than joining someone like that. It was really, really mad. Yeah, that I, no one would expect that to be fair, so I don't blame you. But I know obviously he's a musician, isn't he? So maybe it's not too out of left field that he was hanging around a recording studio, but very bizarre. I can only imagine. Yeah, so strange. <laughs> and um, lyrically, the the song, I know you've touched on that already, it was, um, you know, it's very close to your heart about missing someone um, inspired by the death, um, sadly, of a close friend of yours. So it's obviously coming from an extremely vulnerable place from you. So, which I know was the whole kind of, not really theme, but, you know, the gist of the album, you, you've never done something so personal before. So was this a hard song for you to kind of get out um, or did it, was it one of the ones that sort of came pouring out once you finally got the the idea and it started to take shape? It did just pour out. It came out so quickly. I feel like I, I spend quite a lot of time like sitting there waiting for something to happen in the studio and <laughs> when I'm writing, I kind of sit around twiddling my thumbs. I don't know, maybe I like play a bunch of chords and play, try and find some cool noises and some place to start and then as soon as I have like a something that I'm really excited about it just happens like like that it just happens so fast and this song happened particularly quickly normally I'll get to like a really good place with a piece of music within like a day if I'm really excited with about it and uh, this one just happened in about an hour I reckon I just I sat down at the end of the day it was about 10 11 at night I was about I really wanted to pack it in and go home and then I just picked it I was like one more one more make yourself do one more and I uh I just picked up the guitar played the chords started humming and it just kind of happened I remember playing that chord sequence and thinking like oh those chords have quite a nice like story to them they've got quite a quite nice arc to those chords it wasn't just like four chords in a row it kind of went on it took you on a bit of a journey and then I just started humming and the vocal lines came out and most of the lyrics came out as well I kind of went back and finished a lot of the lyrics but then put down a kind of scratch take added some synths and drums and some 808s and that that was it an hour later you basically hear what what was released it's a new vocal done and some kind of added notes that I put in with the band later but pretty much yeah, quick one. Mm, okay, and um, I know the song, speaking of the chord sequences, you were inspired by Aha for that, with the um, kind of going a bit sad, the nostalgic, back to happy again, this complex sort of sequence. So tell me about that and your there being your inspiration, I guess, for this. Uh, I don't know if that was actually... I mean, I think that... Uh, that Is that was, taken out of context? I don't know where that came from. I think that came from... So I don't know. I remember saying something like that in an interview, but I was talking. I was talking more about melodies, and with the chords, I was more thinking. I I think I'd read something about like film music composers and how they how they really change. They have these quite long chord progressions, and they kind of really add to the story of the uh, of the scene. And I, I was kind of I kind of had that in the back of my head, rather than aha. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Filed under fake news or slightly misinterpreted news. That's all good. I get it. I get it. With the aha thing, that was something someone once told me. Um, 
I was working on something with this film composer called Henry Jackman. He's an amazing film composer, really inspiring guy. And he was basically t- talking to me about melodies and how you can make these little subtle adjustments in the melody, in like a synth melody or a guitar melody, or even a vocal melody each time you you perform it just to kind of add little inflections of, uh, yeah, just little flavors. You know, you can kind of add one kind of odd note and then it turns and it kind of adds a hint of jealousy and then you can kind of add another extra note a bit later on it adds a bit of anticipation and you can yeah you can kind of play with the melody and evolve it as as the song goes on okay no that that does make more sense now you've explained it and um i know as well you've you've talked about this a lot the, the album was of course written after um your band member joe's terrible accident and it was also tied into you know ideas of nostalgia you were saying you know people uh talking about nostalgic things during lockdown watching maybe stuff they watched as kids you know i know a lot of people have been doing that i for some bizarre reason found myself re-watching buffy and malcolm in the middle uh during the last year and i they've been online for ages so i don't know they've always been there so i'm just curious if have you kind of tapped into anything like that and you know how did those ideas manifest themselves in dreamland I seriously tapped into that. I mean, I, I kind of ended up tapping into all that stuff when um, when writing the album initially back in 2019, really. So I guess was when I was writing it. Uh, and it kind of, yeah, it just all came flooding back in the pandemic. I guess there's, when there's no, there's nothing to look forward to, you end up, looking backwards you're trapped indoors you can't go out and create new memories so you you basically relive the old ones in a new context and i i found that with uh, yeah everything i was going back and eating the food that i (laughs) that i used to eat just remembering all like the food i used to eat when i was a kid and trying to recreate those meals and uh then television yeah i was watch i watched the entire of uh the karate kid series the terminator series what else did I watch? Robocop. I basically went back through all my childhood childhood films and I watched a couple of cartoons again. I got really into cartoons. And there's some amazing new cartoons as well. I started watching like Bojack Horseman and Rick and Morty, all these things. Yeah, I went way back. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so I wasn't the only one doing it then. That's uh, sort of a relief. And um, and as well that I saw the the track list for Dreamland. It's not in chronological order. You, of course, after you group them into the three playlists afterwards. So, adulthood, adolescence, childhood. So, um, I don't know. You strike me as a bit of a, I suppose, a perfectionist, and then maybe not an overthinker, but you want the listener to experience it in a way that makes sense to you. You know, so they get the full cohesive experience i'm guessing is there any truth in that is that why you um grouped them into these three kind of um playlists yeah basically we had i i there was a lot of like basically the album track listing isn't chronological so there was a lot of speculation on like the reddit forum and stuff about uh what the actual chronological order was it didn't just didn't make sense as a whole record out of them chronologically and I, I guess I eventually realised that if you kind of split it up into smaller sections, it actually works quite well rather than trying to... everyone. You kind of have to release things as a full album um, rather than a series of EPs. So when, when I realised that it made sense as EPs, um, I guess already having the album out allow, allowed us to do that. 
and we did it yeah and it just gave a bit of context to the music i guess it answered a few people's questions gave people context in a time when uh, you're missing a bit of that context normally a lot of that concept context comes when you're playing live and you have the set design and other fans around and you can talk to people and yeah this was just i guess a way to give people a bit more uh information about the, the music Mm-hmm. and um you obviously you wrote and produced all three glass animals albums and congratulations on your recent mpg nomination for the self-producing artist of the year award so how does it feel to be nominated great oh it's um yeah it's, it's wonderful and i uh yeah so many amazing people nominated it's an honor to be on our list with yeah some some great friends of mine and i'm excited i'm excited for it okay good that's that's a great answer and um with your approach to the production on dreamland did you set out to have more of a hip-hop vibe on some of the tracks or was this a natural evolution of the types of collaborations you've been doing it i guess i was doing a lot like just listening to a lot of hip-hop stuff yeah and the the, son, the sonics of the record were definitely trying to I harken back to the sounds I was listening to growing up. It's a really nostalgic record, and each song's about a different memory. So I was basically trying to think about what I was listening to when those memories were happening and sort of recreate the sounds of those records. Um, and a lot of that is hip-hop. A lot of that is like Dr. Dre and Timberland and Missy Elliott. Um, and I went out and I... I got a couple of those, like some N-Sonic samplers and uh, a couple of little drum machines and uh, was basically trying to recreate a lot of those sounds, but I was playing a lot of them through some older equipment, some stuff that, like uh, my other favourite bunch of stuff is, like I love Nina Simone, I love Motown Records, I love Beatles and Beach Boys, so I, I got a lot of the equipment that they might have used. And actually our bass player, Ed, like builds a lot of that stuff. Um, so I was using some of the stuff that he made, some of the microphones he made and preamps that he made and, um, yeah, recording a lot of those hip hop sounds back through, through that kind of equipment to get this, yeah, big mashup Mm. of those two worlds. And, um, the album, obviously it's fusing old with new, it's undeniably futuristic, futuristic, um, but drenched in nostalgia your own personal experience. I know this is reflected in your kit. Uh, in particular Neve so I was wondering if you could talk me through your collection of Neve preamps and vintage tube gear that you've got I love I love the Neve I love uh, yeah I just love old stuff with a bit of character and uh, uh, Neve certainly has that so I've got I mean I don't have a desk in my studio really when when we did the drums for the record we did actually go through a big Neve in the church studios and obviously that sounds absolutely incredible but here in my little room where i did actually we recorded some of the drums on the record just with very simple microphone setup four microphones yeah i've got um i've got four one two three four ten seventy threes i've actually got the new shelford channel as well um i really i've been really enjoying that um that's what i'm going through right now through this microphone um and uh i guess that's the rupert needs neve stuff rather than the 
direct neve i've got a tube tech over here i've got the 6176 which i think is amazing use that on bass guitar all the time uh very vibey and a bunch of 1176s um that's all <laughs> that's pretty much all you need to like it's all the flavors hmm. and uh, sorry go on. You, can use, you can use plugins and things i use a lot of plugins too to get similar similar sort of sonics yeah, and you said you got four 1073s. So tell me about your workflow and, you know, how you're using those. How does it give you that classic Neve sound and clarity? I basically have one uh, one setting set on every Neve channel. Uh, so one, one of the 1073s is Mellotron. One of the 1073s is a kind of random... Sit- I have, like, I have a Roland jupiter over here and a couple of other synths and that'll go through the other 1073 and then i i use one for it just goes through um it's just an sm uh 57 on a fender i've got my guitar amps at the back and i've got some yeah some fender amps at the back of the room and i just move that sm57 around and through the knee i don't really you know sometimes i'll pair it up with a ribbon microphone but i honestly I tend to just just use the 57 on guitar amps. That's going through the other the other Neves, and then there's another Neve, and I use that for I don't know what I've been using. I use that on vocals a lot, and I have I basically have a handheld microphone that I <laughs> I use for sampling things. It's just a it's a DPA de facto too it's like a cond- handheld condenser it sounds amazing and i use that to sample also a lot of the drums and stuff on the record i kind of like claps and mouth pops and me hitting things with spoons so it's a kind of sampling channel and i record vocals through that mic when i want to put down an idea really quickly yeah okay interesting nice that you've got your quick workflow there obviously works for you and you need to get ideas down quickly out of your head and onto the well into the mic as it were um yeah. am i right I in saying i'm oh, sorry go on Oh, I just said I find myself using those like quick. It's nice to just have it all set and not mess with it ever because I, I find more and more that I'm just using those initial record, those really spontaneous recordings rather than trying to really perfect things and go back and do multiple takes. I'm just, yeah, so it's nice to have the need set up and just uh, everything sounds good through it, even if it's slightly a slightly rubbish, <laughs> you know, mic technique and evil help help polish it up just enough to be usable. Mm, nice and am i right in saying do you have a retro uh 176 compressor from neve as well yeah well that's that's universal audio one it's great it's just got a big tube amp and uh it's got an 1176 built into it it's it's great that's my bass guitar di channel and makes everything sound lovely if i want to get some really kind of rougher vocal sounds i can use that too but really yeah i just use that for for bass di okay awesome and um i know um i can't keep you much longer so i'm just wondering uh on the producing front you've obviously had a lot of success you know mpg nominated and i know you've won before as well so have you got any i don't even know if i mean advice is there something that's really worked for you in terms of what you've done production wise that you would give as perhaps advice to someone or just something that you can say this is how you've achieved what you've achieved basically it's a good question i think um one one thing is just to yeah you don't need loads and loads and loads of stuff and gear i I think it's really 
good to just have a few things that you really like and know how know your way around you know i get i get like almost all my synth sounds out of the same two synthesizers but because i guess i kind of know i don't know i can like hear a sound in my head and just go to it and play with it anyway you don't need loads and loads of stuff <laughs> you just uh um know how to bend the stuff that you have to to work and you can you can do anything with a computer nowadays. The first album was entirely made in a laptop, pretty much. So, yeah, don't don't be afraid of that. I think um, some some people also think you need loads and loads and loads of analog gear. And I've just spoken about analog gear for ages, but I also do love the digital stuff, and it makes things so quick and easy. Don't don't be afraid of that. Mm, absolutely. Okay, then I'm going to let you go. But I know that you've got some live shows, haven't you? You've announced um, coming up. Is that for later this year? When do they kick off? Yes, I'm so excited. I mean, actually, I'm really nervous, I think. (laughs) Uh, I haven't played shows in so long. And um, I feel like so much has happened since the last time we played shows. But they kick off in, I'm going to get this wrong now, October or November. That sounds about right. (laughs) I think that sounds right, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, I'm really excited. Some of the biggest venues we've, I think they are the biggest venues we've ever played, actually. Um, I don't actually know how big they are, but I've I've seen some of my favourite bands at, at like Ali Pali, for instance. And um, I'm sorry if you just heard a weird noise there. My dog is a is quite a strange character. He's groaning for some reason. <laughs> What's his name? He's called Woody, and he just basically lounges around the studio chewing on wires that he really shouldn't be chewing on. And I think, <laughs> I think he wants me to go. I don't know what he wants. Just looking at me, groaning. So I'm not sure what's up. Just wants attention. <laughs> he definitely likes to sit on my lap, but I, I actually do a lot of recording with him just sitting on the sitting on my lap. He's a little little guy. Perhaps that's um, the secret then that we can't let anyone else share. Woody does it all. That's it. Get yourself a really talented dog. Yes, absolutely. Okay, um, thank you so much, Dave, for joining us on the podcast today. It's been so nice to talk to you. Um, love your music. Can't wait to see when you're out performing live again. And um, any other music's coming out from you, basically? Oh, man. Yeah, thanks so much for, for having me on. It was a pleasure. You're Absolute so pleasure. welcome. And good luck for the MPGs. Um, so, yes, well, I don't know what's going to happen, obviously, but um, we shall see, I guess. So maybe we'll be in touch again. Who knows? Yes, amazing. Okay. Um, Thanks so much. Speak soon. Thank you so much. Bye, Dave. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.